Let us read out of Luke chapter 2. We'll be looking at verses 8 through 20. I love this. We read this every year at Christmas time, and I know you do too. And really, we should read it more often than just at Christmas. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. You can be seated. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the chance to be in worship today. Uh, Father, we're, we're glad for the fun things that we get to do in this holiday season. We're thankful for family and get-togethers and uh, parties and all kinds of things that we're able to do. But God, most of all, uh, we're thankful for your son. And so we're thankful for the chance uh, to worship him as we've already done and as we continue to, now, to do now through your word. Bless this time that we share. Bless our kids uh, in their classes. And bless your word as it's being sent out not just here, but all around the world today, as people are proclaiming the good news of a Savior who has been born and was born 2,000 years ago and still is our salvation today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Last week I gave you a countdown of 13, so six. Six is the number of days uh, between now and Christmas, so hopefully you're getting ready. Hopefully uh, you've, had a little, you've got a little bit of time off work. Uh, hopefully, you, I know that the kids being out of school on Friday, maybe that was a, a turning point in your family. You're able to kind of shift toward Christmas. I know that when I was a student, I uh, always had exams that last you know, a couple weeks, mid-December or so, and I didn't really even think about Christmas until those were done. So I hope you're able to kind of shift toward Christmas and able to enjoy uh, this season. I hope you're able to enjoy over the next couple weeks some time with family and friends, some good food, and to be able to celebrate, because this really is a time uh, of celebration. Uh, this Christmas, we've been noticing that these passages in Matthew and Luke that tell us the Christmas story, these, these passages are filled with joy. And we've noticed that there's not just any kind of joy. Repeatedly, when the, when the authors go to describe the joy that's happening, they have to use extra words like exceeding joy or great joy to talk about this joy that comes at Christmas. We celebrate this day every year, and we celebrate it with joy. It is a time of celebration. Uh, I met a family uh, a couple weeks ago who uh, are, is raising nine children in their household. So they have 
11 people, and they were uh, talking about Christmas for that number of people. But then I, as I was talking to them, I said, well, what do you do? I mean, at birthdays, what are birthdays? They're like, we have them all the time. Like, we just never stop having birthdays. We, we, anytime there are holidays, there are times for celebration and joy, and that's a good thing. The Bible, all over and over again, talks about different seasons, different moments in the calendar, and Christmas is a time of celebrating. No, no holiday comes close in our culture to getting the amount of attention that Christmas gives. And we may would, would argue that Easter should be pretty equivalent. But it's not a bad thing that, that's, uh, that we celebrate Christmas as big as we do. It's a big deal that any child is born. And then this special child who was born 2,000 years ago, the Savior of the world, it's a good thing that we celebrate Him with lots of joy. The angel told Joseph in Matthew 1, that this birth would be the fulfillment of a prophecy back from Isaiah. Uh, he told him in Matthew 1.23, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a child, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. What we celebrate at Christmas is the birth of a child who is not just any child, but he is God, and he is with us. He's not far away. He's not distant. He's not ignoring us. He's not uh, just turning a blind eye to us. He is God with us, and that is reason to celebrate. That's the miracle of Christmas, and that's the source of our joy, that God is not far away. A couple weeks ago, we quoted Psalm 1611, In your presence there is fullness of joy. That's why this is a season of joy, is that God is with us. However, in Luke 2 that we just read, when God first shows up, or angels show up who are representing God, the first reaction isn't joy. <laughs> That's not the first and primary emotion that the people experience when they see the presence, they experience the presence of God. Luke 2, 9 that we just heard, it says, And the glory of the Lord shone around them, speaking of the shepherds, and they were filled with great joy? No. Happiness? Laughter? No. The glory of the Lord shone and they were filled with great fear. They were filled with great fear. If you've been around the Bible, uh, you know, some, maybe that doesn't seem surprising to you because that happens a fair amount that an angel or, or the presence of God shows up in some, some way and people's first response is, is fear. That happens quite a bit in the Bible. But we just said, Psalm 1611 and so many other places, but in your presence there was fullness of joy. That's what the Bible tells us, is that God's presence is the source of our joy. Then, then why, when the angels show up, over and over again, but here especially to the shepherds, are they filled with great fear? We've been looking at this theme of great joy this Christmas, but I wonder if for you, joy still remains just a little bit out of reach. You, you know there should be joy. You know, celebrating Christ and Christmas, there should be a lot of joy, but it's just, it just seems like it's just just beyond what you can get your hands around. Perhaps you do have some strong emotions, but joy isn't the first one. Maybe you've got grief. Maybe you've got sorrow. Maybe you've got anxiety. Maybe it's just busy. Maybe you're just overwhelmed. Maybe you're just apathetic, and you just feel kind of blah about lots of things. And so you wouldn't look at your life and say, hey, this Christmas I'm filled with great joy. I'm filled with something else, but I'm not, not filled with joy. Surely the shepherds should have rejoiced at the announcement of Jesus' birth, surely we should rejoice at celebrating Christmas each year, right? God is with us. But sometimes we don't. Sometimes we're not filled with joy. 
Maybe it can be a comfort to you today to know that the very first people, the very first reaction they had to hearing about this Savior wasn't joy at first. At first, it was fear. And if the shepherds can go from fear, great fear, to great joy, maybe that can be good news for us. Maybe fear isn't your thing. Maybe it's apathy. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe whatever else is. But it's not joy. You're saying it's not joy. Whatever it is, whatever your thing is, it's not joy. As you look to the shepherds today, I wonder if you can see how you and I can also move from wherever we are to a time of great joy. Great joy. Can we move from whatever we're experiencing? Not that we leave it behind, not that we forget it, not that, not that we ignore it, but that somehow God can transform where you're at and use that ultimately for His glory and our joy. Let's start with the shepherds where they started. As when the glory of the Lord shone around them, they were filled with great fear. Why, why did being in God's presence, so the glory of the Lord shone, and they're filled with great fear. Why, why is God's presence a place of fear for them? The glory of God shone, and they're filled with fear. Did not God create the world in such a way that, that His glory, His presence is a good thing? Yes, but something's been broken. And that's why the angels, what they have for us is such good news is because what the angels have, are coming to tell us is that He is fixing that very problem, <laughs> that God's presence will once again be a place of joy. And that's why the very first word the angel speaks, the very first thing he says is, fear not, fear not. If we look back to Genesis 3, we get a glimpse of what life was like for them in the garden. And we see where God comes to walk in the cool of the day. And the implication there is this must have been the regular habit of God. And we can't quite get our minds around what this looks like, but somehow or another, Adam and Eve used to walk with God in the cool of the day. That is a picture of a, of a deep personal relationship. They're just meandering through the garden, enjoying God's presence. That God's presence from the beginning was a place of great joy. But in Genesis 3, this one day, it wasn't a place of joy anymore. God calls out to them, and Adam says in Genesis 3.10, I was afraid, and I hid myself. I was afraid. God, God comes to walk every day with them, but then this one day, they hide. They're running from Him, and they are filled with fear. What, what, what changed? Travis frequently will say, who, who moved? Who moved? Like something, something changed here. Who moved? Well, it wasn't God, because God has been God forever and will always be. And he is unchanging. So from the day before Genesis 3 to Genesis 3, God certainly didn't change. So that means Adam and Eve are the ones that changed. And we probably know that story well enough to know that what happened that day is they sinned. They rebelled against God. They rejected him. The serpent had tempted them. And you may remember the temptation that he gave them is if you eat of this fruit, you will be like God. You will be like God. So instead of trusting God, they wanted to be like God. And we all face that same temptation. It's the same temptation we saw in Herod from Matthew chapter 2 a couple weeks ago, that he wanted to be king, so he was rejecting the king. We too want to be king. We want to be like God. We don't want to put our trust in somebody else to be in charge. We want to be in charge. But in reality, we, and we think that being in charge will make us happy. We think, if I control my own life, that, that'll make me happy. But in reality, it leaves us in fear. It leaves us in fear. Adam and Eve did not find more joy when they tried to take control and be like God. They found fear, not 
joy. A while back, uh, I was reading a book by Tim Keller that helped me see this connection between sin and fear. And he points out, to think, think of our, our deepest fears in life. And I don't just mean like being afraid of heights or snakes, although those are very real, very real fears. Deeper than that, deeper than that. Our, our fear of rejection, our fear of failure, our fear of letting people down, our fear of the uncertainties in life and the future that we can't control, a fear of losing job, losing money, losing home, a fear of getting hurt, fear of losing somebody we love, a fear of death. These are all normal in some sense. They're all, they're all common to us as humanity. But you know what multiplies that fear? You know what makes those fears so debilitating? Is if we are going through life trying to be God, that means that we are trying to control all of those things. And you know what we're really bad at? <laughs> Controlling all those things. We can't. We cannot control them. If we want to be like God, if we fall into the same temptation that Adam and Eve fell in, then what we're going to live in is a constant state of fear and stress and anxiety, or just ignorance. <laughs> That's one option, but it'll catch us one day. But we, if we try to control everything, there's only fear there. There is only fear there. We are not good at being God. And when God's presence shows up in the garden like it did on that hillside outside of Bethlehem, we recognize those fears. We see those fears. We have pride in our hearts and it has led to fear. For example, God created us to be His children, living with love and acceptance of being in relationship with Him. Right? That's how we were created. But if we reject God, then we reject His acceptance. We reject his, the security of being in His presence. And so now we live in a place of loneliness, rejection, fear of failure. God is sovereign over all things. He controls everything that happens. And He is good. He's perfectly good. He's in charge of tomorrow, and we are not. But if we reject God, then we no longer have the comfort of knowing somebody else is in control. And we live in fear of the unknown, fear of what's to come tomorrow. We try to control it, and that's impossible. And so we live in fear. God's providence is that for those who love Him, all things, all things work together for good. But when we reject God, we live in crippling fear from grief or potential grief, unable to, to, to have peace in the middle of our sorrows because we've rejected the one who can comfort us. God is the one who raised Christ from the dead forever proving that He has authority over life and death. But if we reject God, then we have no hope in death. We have no hope as we face the end of life. Only in God do we have a place, a source to, to face those fears and for those fears to be transformed. You see how the more sin we have in our lives, the more we reject God, the more that multiplies our fears. The more we turn away from Him, the more we are living in a state of unable to control the things that only God can control. If we're trusting in ourselves, we just have fear. We have no way of overcoming it. And it can be totally overwhelming. When God's presence shows up outside of Bethlehem that night to the shepherds, whatever else they may have been feeling, whatever else may be going on, they may have been hiding, I don't know what their life was like, but in that moment... Like Isaiah and Isaiah 6, like Zechariah in the temple, and like so many others, God's presence shows up and they recognize we are sinful people. 
We deserve the wrath of God. And they respond in fear. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. They respond in fear. God would have every right to show up that night to the shepherds and judge them for their sins. Just like God would have every right to show up right now and judge us for our sins were it not for Christ. But that's what makes the angel's announcement that day outside of Bethlehem, that first Christmas night, that's what makes their announcement so amazing is they did not show up. They, they could have showed up and said, yep, you better be afraid, bud. They, had ever, they could have done that, but they didn't. They showed up and the first thing they said was, fear not, fear not. How, how is that possible? How, how can a group of shepherds, any humans, since aren't picking on them, anybody, Anybody without it, how could, how could we possibly stand in the presence of the glory of God and not just be overwhelmed with fear? How, how could they possibly say, fear not? I mean, that, is, that, is that just nonsense? How could we possibly be in God's presence? How could, how could the shepherds and us go from great fear to great joy? If we want to move from, from fear to joy, we have to hear the rest of what the angels have to say to us. The rest of what they have to say to us is, behold the good news, or grasp the good news. Grasp the good news. Fear not, verse 11, for behold, I bring you good news. A few of the more recent translations, we'll, we'll skip over the word behold there. It's used a lot in the Bible, but it's an important word here. It, it's a word that means, look, pay attention, pay, see this, behold, comprehend this. Don't, don't miss what's happening here. It's like taking the, the next part, good news, and circling it, underline it. Pay attention. Don't miss the good news. Grasp this. Take hold of this. I want to tell you the good news. In the, in the original language, I bring you good news is all one word. I love that. It's all one word, and it means to proclaim the good news. The noun form of this word, good news or gospel, is euangelion in Greek, and that's where we get the word evangelist or evangelism and evangelical, that's because we are people of the good news. This is the very core of who we are as Christians. We are good news people. And the angel shows up to the shepherd and says, this is what I want you to hear, the good news. If we're going to move from out of our fear and into joy, this is where our eyes, this is where our hearts, this is where everything's got to be focused this Christmas is on the good news. What, what is the good news? Well, he says, verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. What, what is the good news? The good news is that a Savior, a Savior has come. It's worth grasping. Who, who is the Savior? What, what has He done? We just said, apart from Christ, we deserve punishment for our sins. What has Christ done? He has come to be the one who takes that punishment for us. We deserve judgment, and instead of that judgment being poured out on us, God in His abundant grace poured it out on His Son, whom He had sent to die for us. The good news from the very beginning, from the very first day that Jesus was on earth, is that He has come and He is a Savior. He is a Savior. Apart from a Savior, the only thing we could expect from God's presence would be judgment. But now that we who believe in Christ know Him, now that He has paid for our sins, His presence can once again be a place of joy. If, if we had not had payment for our sins, His presence would only be a place of condemnation and judgment. But now, once again, a relationship can be restored. 
The good news of Christmas is that you can know Christ and know the Heavenly Father and you can know Him forever because a Savior has come. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. And a Savior restores our relationship. The good news is that the Savior has been born. But that's not the only way He gets described here, is it? It is for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. And again, if you've been around church, if you've been around these verses, these just can kind of wash over you. It's just Christian Christmas, Christmas Eve, Christian ease of Christmas. There you go. But don't let these, these powerful words just wash over you as if they mean nothing. These are important words. There's a reason why we use these words a lot. He's a Savior and He is Christ the Lord. The word for Christ is the, the, the New Testament Greek word for Messiah that's used in the Old Testament. It means anointed. It's telling you He's the King. He's the king. And he's not just any king. He's, he's the Lord. Christ the Lord. He's from the city of David, which is Bethlehem. That's a way of fulfilling Old Testament prophecy and telling us something about who he is. He, he's going to be a king like David. And when David reigned in Israel, it was one of the best times in all of Israel's history. He had peace in the land and conquered and everything was great for that one little patch of earth and one little time period of history, about 40 years. And Jesus has come to do something far greater than that. He is a far greater king than King David. He is from the line of David, but his throne is a lot higher and a lot bigger. Jesus is Lord, not just over one little patch of earth for 40 years. He is reigning over all times and all peoples and all places. He is the one to whom every knee will one day bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. The good news is that Christ has come, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It is good news to us because we need a king. We need a king. We are really bad at being king. And not just uh, a little bad. We're like really bad. We can't be king over anything. We're not good at being king over us, much less king over a nation or a world or a universe. We need a king over yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We're not king over any of those. We need a king. When we try to be a king, we live in fear of the unknown future. When we try to be king, we live in, in crippling fear from grief and sorrows because we don't have the power over life and death. Christ does. When we try to live as king, we live in fear. But the good news is you don't have to be king. The job's already taken anyway. You can't have it. I can't have it. Christ has been born and he is king. We're really bad at being king, but Jesus is, he's pretty good. He's pretty good at it. And we can trust him. We can trust Christ the king. He's the, he's the good news. He's the savior. He's the king. And here's what was important to the shepherds. He's also close by. The good news to the shepherds was in the same region. It says at night in the same region, there were shepherds out keeping watch, right? They're close by. It tell, they tell them, uh, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find, like you, you can go. You can go. Listen. Hey, you can go. You can be there. You will find a baby. The shepherd says at the end, let us go over to Bethlehem. Let us see this king that has happened, this thing that has happened. The angels told the shepherds, here's, here's the great news. There's a savior. Here's the, here's the great news. He's the king. And not just king over here. He's, he's the king over everything. And he's right over there. You can just go see him. He, he's right inside of town. You can go meet the king. The shepherds, many, many of Christmas sermons have pointed this out. The shepherds were, were not the high class, were they? they? These were outcasts. These were smelly guys. And the angels came to them. The angels came to them. 
and said, I bring you, shepherds, I bring you good news of great joy. But it's not just the shepherds that get this news. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The good news of Christmas is that He's Christ, He's the Savior, He's the King, and that news is available to all kinds of people. Our biggest fear in life is being left out, one of them, being lonely, being rejected, not, not, not measuring up, not being included. And the good news is that Christ has come to you. Christ has come to you. The good news is that, the good news that this message is not just for the elites or the special or the smartest or the richest or the most famous. It's not for the most literate, the most educated. It's not for any one group. It's good news for all people. When Jesus came, He came for sinners. He didn't come for people who had their lives all figured out. He, he told the Pharisees, I didn't come for the, the healthy. I came for the sick. We're all really sick. That's what He's trying to tell them. But the people who know they're sick, we, we can all have access to Christ. It's good news for us all. When Jesus came, He came, He says He died for us while we were still sinners. While we were still sinners. He is available to us. That's the good news of Christmas. And what more could we want than the approval, the love, the acceptance, the invitation from the one who made the stars? If we have that approval, if we can be in His presence, everything else is going to be okay. If we have Him. That's good news. It's good news worth grasping. It's worth emphasizing one more part of this message that the angels tell us. They say, fear not, for behold, I bring you good what, a good warning, uh, some good advice? I bring you a good, a good contract. I bring you a good list of do's and don'ts to live by. Uh-uh. He didn't say any of those, did he? Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. I bring you good news. You know what news is not? News is not an obligation. News is information. You know what you do with news? You receive it. You hear it. That's all there is. You just, you hear it. You don't have to earn news. You don't have to, uh, Christmas is not, a, not an obligation to, to keep. Christmas is not a, a standard to live up to. Christmas is not a, a challenge to take on. Christmas is not a mission to accomplish. Christmas is news. It's information. Information isn't something you work for. Information is something you go out and earn. Information is something you just receive. Christmas is a gift. It's a gift of good news. And what's, I think, crazy about our culture is that we so closely associate Christmas and gifts, and yet we are really bad at understanding what gifts are. Look, can we just, we'll just be honest about this. We have a hard time with something being free. We really do. We want to earn everything. It's really hard for us to hear that Christmas is good news. The definition of a gift is that it is given. Christmas is, is news, it's information, it's given, it's not earned, so it's a gift. And Christmas, like gifts, are just given. So that means you don't have to do anything for it, which means you don't have to be on the nice list to get it. <laughs> do you know that? Christmas is a gift that doesn't require being on the nice list. It, it, is, it is given freely. It's given freely. If, if you have to earn something, it's a wage, it's not a gift. It's not, it's, it's not a gift. It's a wage. If you have a job, you've set up a contract with your employer, and you say, hey, I, I'm going to show up at these times. I'm going to do these tasks and do it to this standards, and I'm not going to do these things. And if I do my part, what I receive is a wage. 
It may be a very generous wage. It may be a very meager wage, but it's a wage if you did your part and you get something in return. So parents, what you have an opportunity to do, you don't even know you're doing this probably. Maybe you do. You're, you're pretty smart people. When you give Christmas gifts to your kids, you're displaying the gospel. Because you know what you're doing? You're, you're not giving your, whatever else we may say, whatever the culture may say, you're not giving your kids gifts because they were good this year. You're giving your kids gifts because they're your kids, because you love them. You are having the opportunity to show love to somebody. And that's, this is not just parents, this is all of us. We give gifts to people, not because of what they've done, but because of who they are. And that is a reflection of the gospel. That is the definition of Christmas. Christ came not because the shepherds earned it, Mary didn't earn it, Joseph didn't earn it, the wise men didn't earn it, we don't earn it. Christmas is good news. Praise God, it's news, not a contract. Praise God, we didn't have to keep our end of the bargain for Jesus to want to show up. We failed at every bargain we'd ever made. And He came anyway. It is good news. I, I don't know what all, that, what all the emotions you got going on. Fear, grief, anxiety, sorrow. But one of them is burdens. We just feel so burdened. I don't know about you, but I daily struggle with, did I measure up? Did I do enough today? We daily live with this struggle of, I'm not good enough. And you and me, we need to hear, Christmas is news. It is a gift. It's not something you earned. It's what Christ has done. Christ has come. He has died for you. And He has resurrected. And He has accomplished everything that needs to be accomplished. And He is a free gift to receive. Take hold of that. Grasp it. Consider it. Ponder it. Look at it. Receive it. Grasp the good news of the gospel and the good news of Christmas. And if we can do that, if we can receive the news, that's what's going to transform our fears, our anxieties, our stresses, our burdens into joy. Grasping the good news turns great fear into great joy. From the moment the angels arrived on the scene, this passage is just brimming with joy. Now, I didn't read the first seven verses of, of Luke chapter 2. Those, those seven verses have always struck me as kind of like understated, very nonchalant. We didn't read it, but I'm going to go back and read uh, verses 6 and 7. This is how Jesus enters the world. Okay, the Savior of the world, right? Verse 6, And while they were there, that's in Bethlehem, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the end. That is about the most like factual description of a birth ever. Time came, she had a baby, nowhere to put him, put him in the manger. Baby, check. Like, shouldn't there be some fireworks? Shouldn't there be some excitement? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just right after that. From the very next verse, the first, it starts out, I'm like, hey, it's, you know, just kind of just said they had a baby. But then the fireworks come. Now, in our world, we, we, we know something about celebrating children. We, we have big, elaborate uh, gender reveals now. We, we have, uh, uh, you know, celebration when the child's born, and uh, there a lot of work goes into posting that first picture online. I hear of a day where people used to mail cards to announce children's birth. Am I right? Is that, did that used to happen? What's a, what is mail? I don't know. But anyway, we used to do that. All the birth announcements in the world, they got nothing on what Jesus got. Jesus got an incredible birth announcement. All the angels come and they, they proclaim this. Now, I, I don't imagine, I don't know what this was like. I, I, I'm sure this is, this is not how it happened. Let's just say, I'm just going to say it's not how it happened. But it'd be cool 
if this is how it happened, that the God is preparing, the Father's preparing to send his son and the angels start lining up like, hey, hey, who gets to share the news? Can I, can I be the one? Because we don't get the angel's name. You know, it just says an angel of the Lord. Sometimes we've heard of Gabriel and Michael and other people, but, but this, we don't get a name. It just says the angel of the Lord. So I just imagine they're lining up like, hey, <clears throat> hey God, can I, <clears throat> can I do this one? Can I do this one? No, no, me. Can I do it? Can I do it? No, no, can I? No, I, I want to do it. I want to do it. He always gets to do it, you know? Imagine, imagine the father saying, you, Michael, or, you know, he says, you, you, you get to be the one. You go and you tell the shepherds and all the collective angels go, oh, man. He says, but wait, wait, as soon as he tells, as soon as he tells the shepherds, you can all go. You can all go, right? It says after the, after the angel gets out his news, he, he proclaims it. It says, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory, glory to God in the highest. This is a, an army of angels, a multitude of angels. So many that the, the shepherds, could, they go to tell this story later on. They're like, how many angels do you see? I don't know. There's a bunch of them. An army of angels filling the night sky, singing glory to God. This is just flowing with joy and excitement and celebration. And the way you know it is it's full of worship. It's full of worship. And it, that is, it's contagious. It's contagious. Notice at the end what the shepherds do in verse 20. It says, they were glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. What the angels do starts, the news starts as fear. They're in the presence of God. They, they can't take it. I, I, can't, I can't stand in front of the, one angel. They, they're, they're cowering in fear. But they behold the good news. I, I'm not coming to judge you. I'm not coming to condemn you. We're sending news to you that a Savior, a Savior is here. Join us in worship, the angels are saying. Join us in praising Him. Join us in coming to exalt Him. He is Christ the Lord. Glory to God in the highest. When they saw the angels, they caught the bug, a good one, and their hearts were moved to worship. Christmas may not be the time where between now and Saturday, everything in your life gets figured out. Let's just not be honest. It's not going to be. We're not going to figure everything out in life. We're not going to overcome all of our sorrows and fears. All of every parts of our lives are not going to be all fit together between now and next Saturday. But Christmas is the time when we can remember that God has come. God is with us. And He has delivered us from our sins. He has overcome sin and death. And He is reigning over all things over all nations and peoples, over all governments and businesses and employees and managers and everybody else in your life that's stressing you out. God is reigning over all of them. And He has come to be with you. He's your Savior. He's your Lord worth worshiping. And He's near at hand. He is available to all of us. And the way you know you've received that is that you go from cowering in fear to exalting Him. That's how you go from fear to joy. He is on His throne, and if we can grasp the good news, if we can receive it, not earn it, not earn it, if we can receive it, our lives will be changed forever. You may be struggling with fear or apathy or laziness or stress or burdens, whatever it is, but if we can grasp the good news of Christmas, it can be turned to joy. And one of the best ways to, to experience that is to share that with somebody else. Do you hear what the shepherds did as we read the story? Do you hear what the shepherds did? It says the shepherds, in verse 17, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered 
at what the shepherds told them. The shepherds got to be the first evangelist. They heard the good news and they shared the good news. That's a sign that God is at work in our lives. If we've received it and we share it. One devotional I saw this week said, This is the heart of gospel proclamation. Hearing it for ourselves, experiencing that God has kept His word, and sharing the very good news of this sure salvation with others. This is quite a turnaround for the shepherds in a couple short verses here, isn't it? They are just minding their own business. They're doing nothing any different than they do any other night. They're just out watching their flock at night. And then an angel shows up and they are terrified, rightfully so, terrified. And then in a few short verses, they become the very first evangelist for Jesus Christ. And they spend their, the rest of their days glorifying. Everywhere they go, they're praising God. From just regular old shepherds to fear to worship. The only way that can happen is if they heard the, what the angels told them. Fear not and behold. Take hold of, grasp, look at, ponder, consider, grasp this good news. Whatever else you got going on between now and next Saturday, spend some time grasping the good news, beholding it, acknowledging it, celebrating what Christ has done, and tell somebody about it. Tell your kids, tell your parents, rehearse this with your spouse, celebrate what God is doing. Tell a coworker who is not involved in church. Tell a friend, a neighbor, somebody the good news of Christmas. Everybody's thinking about Jesus right now. They just put M-A-S at the end of his name, but they're talking about Christ, at least Christmas. Tell them the good news. Share this with them. Because as, you, as you worship, as you celebrate, as you enjoy Christ, it's contagious. You'll spread this joy around. I don't know what you're carrying. I know many of you, I've talked to many of you, you've got, you've got a lot of burdens. And God, the good news of Christmas is that Christ carries those with you. He carries those with you. He's with you in those burdens. And He's willing to help you as you move from fear to joy. If you'll grasp the good news. Let's pray together. Father, what a a blessing. What a blessing that you have not left us in our sin and sorrow and suffering all by ourselves, but you have come to be with us. God, thank you for what we have to celebrate at at Christmas, that you are Emmanuel, God with us. Father, we admit our minds are so often caught on much less glorious truths than what we have to celebrate at Christmas. God, may you, by the power of your Spirit, may you be shaping and molding our minds to think about, consider the greatest news of all, who you are and what you've done for us. God, may we be focused on the gospel, the good news. May we share that. May we celebrate it. And in that, God, may you fill our hearts with joy. God, we know the psalmist was right, that in your presence is the fullness of joy. And that's only true because of what Christ accomplished with the cross and the empty tomb. So God, thank you for the chance to worship you, to celebrate you at Christmas. God, may you stir our hearts to worship you all the more, even today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.